Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. And this particular show is being recorded here on what a lot of people would call Easter, or Easter weekend anyway. You know, some will call it Passover. Actually, one minister I know likes to call it Resurrection Day. And, of course, originally, uh, this would have been Passover, depending on what calendar you use. Uh, It's in the month of uh, April, and uh, that would be the month of Adar. And that was a period of time using several calendars at the time where Christ cast out the money changers. And then shortly after that, they wanted to crucify him. And, of course, the two events are somewhat related, except for most modern Christians don't know who the money changers were, what they were doing, or why Jesus had the power to cast them out. Did he have the authority to cast them out? Well, of course, he did. He was working daily in the temple. He was actually instructing the ministers in the royal treasury. How could he do that? Well, he had just been proclaimed the highest son of David, the righteous king, the king of peace, which according to the order of Melchizedek would be the heir to the world. And uh, therefore, he would be the king of the kingdom of the world, uh, the kingdom of God, etc., etc. And he said he came to take that kingdom away from the Pharisees uh, who claimed to have it based on the fact that uh, this was passed down to Judea through the Jews. And uh, he took it away from them by the words of their own mouth when they said they had no king but Caesar. And he appointed it to the church which then began to do the job of the Levites in the uh, church in the wilderness, which is what is stated by early church fathers over and over again. So the reality is, is the church became the government of God on earth. And the Jews who followed Jesus manned that church and became the ministers of that church and became the congregants of that church. And they work daily in the temple. And uh, they work differently. They did not exercise authority one over the other. They did not force the contributions of the people. They did not practice the Corbin of the Pharisees, but the Corbin of Christ, which was based on faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty. Modern Christians don't do that. Modern Christians are going down to their temple today, uh, which is April 15th, and... Uh, paying into the money changers of today. And they will pray at the altars that they're paying into to obtain free education, to free health care, uh, care for their parents, because they don't take care of their parents anymore. They have Social Security to do that. And they are totally, absolutely in apostasy. I was going to say irrevocably, but not irrevocably. <laughs> they can't revoke it of their own accord. They can't fill out a bunch of paperwork like some guys would have you think and then suddenly become free of such a system. They have to, the same as we had to do back in the days of Jesus Christ, they have to repent and think differently. And the first thing to thinking differently 
is to admit that you've been thinking wrong. <laughs> you've been wrong all this time. And your preachers have been wrong and they have been lying to you because, of course, many of them were lied to when they went to the seminary and they have the gospel of the kingdom all messed up. Completely confused with something else. And uh, virtually the doctrines of men. I've, I've said this many times when everybody wanted us to write a doctrine. I says, why? Jeez, the doctrines of the church are the doctrines of Christ. If, she, if he didn't say it, it isn't one of our doctrines. So why in the world would you look up all these different denominations and read their doctrines and 80 to sometimes 90% of the words in their doctrines were not spoken by Jesus, but spoken by men. So, we don't, we don't, we didn't write a new doctrine. We just accepted Christ's doctrine and we've conformed to Christ and that's our doctrine. And we put all the words of Christ together in a single kind of a red letter Bible. So that we know what the doctrines that we are promoting. Now, we can talk about a lot of other things, Paul and all kinds of other people, and see how they fit into the doctrines of Christ. But the official doctrines of the church have to be the doctrines of Christ. That's the definition of the church. If we create any other doctrine that we, you know, that we can actually say is an official doctrine, that's a doctrine of men. That's not the doctrines of Christ. So you, you have to go back to Jesus' own words. And we have enough of those. Now, it's poorly translated. Somebody wrote me just before the program, or at least I saw the email just before the program, asking about Genesis 6.14. He says, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark. And shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. Now, the word pitch there, he was asking about the word pitch. It, it is translated pitch, but only once. It appears many, many times in the Bible. Uh, if you look it up in the Strong's, you'll see a Strong's word of oath, uh, or 3724 in the Hebrew. And uh, it's that word is translated pitch one time, but it's also translated money, village, satisfaction, bribe. Eight times it's translated ransom, a couple times camphor. And camphor and pitch are kind of related, but what does ransom have to do with it? What does satisfaction, what does bribe have to do with the word pitch? Does the word pitch or what? Uh, it talks about the Hena plant, uh, the name of a plant that uh, was given. And, of course, the pitch was probably taken from wood as well as uh, camphor can be taken from wood. But anyway, the, the word also appears with other Strong's numbers many times in the Bible. Nearly a hundred times in the Bible. Uh, if you look at 3723, we see the same exact Hebrew letters. And that's translated village two more times. So that's three times translated village altogether. If you look at the 3725 in the Strong's numbers, you'll see that it's uh, translated uh, atonement. Eight times. Now, to be fair, some of the times that that word appears, they add two letters, a yod and a mem. And yod, of course, usually has to do with the divine spark, and a mem has to do with flow. So, 
the atonement comes from the flow of something to do with the divine spark of Christ. We're, we're supposed to be seeking the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God comes with that divine spark. That's God writing on your hearts and your mind. And when that flows, that writing of God's heart and mind on your heart and mind, then there's atonement. If it doesn't, there is no atonement for you. Now, Christ did his job, but you have to repent or you don't have no atonement. Everybody says, you know, I'm saved because I believe in Jesus. I don't want to do anything that he said to do. I believe in him. That's not the same thing. You cannot believe in Jesus and not do the same things that he said. If you believe in Jesus, if you love Jesus, you will keep his commandments. You can't help it. That's what faith does. Faith makes you keep the commandments if you really believe with true faith in Christ. If you're not keeping the commandments, you don't really believe in Christ. That's that's evidence. That's a clue for you. <laughs> Write it down. If you're not keeping the commandments, you don't really believe in Christ. That That's how you know whether or not you believe or not. Because you could just fool yourself into thinking you believe. But you don't. You don't really believe in Christ. So, anyway, the that particular letters, which are cough, uh, pay, uh, rash... Is three letters that form this word, which we they say kafar uh, is the word. It's most commonly given the Strong's number of three seven two two, and you can look this up. And it's translated atonement seventy one times, actually with the other eight. Uh, when you add the yad mem on it, it's it's almost eighty times it's translated atonement. Uh, it's translated purge seven times and of course what does purge have to do with atonement well you can kind of make a connection there in your mind but somebody's they're not translating it the same way i mean there was one word written down in the hebrew but we translated into many different english words purge reconciliation reconcile forgive purge away pacify uh, atonement made uh, merciful, cleansed, uh, disannulled, appease, put off, pardon, and of course, pitch. <laughs> so there's actually two places you'll see the word pitch uh, taken from the same word. One given 0722, Strong's number, and the other one 0724. So uh, it actually is translated pitch twice. And we should not be surprised if you've done a study of Hebrew like we have offered you with the, you know, Artifice and Language Land and, and the book Thy Kingdom Comes. We'll give you samples and show you how these words, all the words in the Hebrew language, uh, almost all the words, are usually from a base word that has three letters in it. You can add letters, you can take away letters. Uh, you can put a letter in the front, you can put a letter in the back, you can put a letter in the middle. All of which will change the meaning slightly. But you have a base word, usually of three letters. Vowels aren't, aren't important because Hebrew was not written to be spoken. It was written to be written. It was a codified language, kind of a mix between uh, the non-alphabetical Chinese and Japanese language uh where the symbols have a meaning, uh, 
and then they created an alphabet where each letter had a meaning and they put it together to make these words. So, the meaning of kafar, to some degree, will be found in the letters themselves. And so, you would have to look up the letters themselves to find that, uh, uh, you know, the meaning of that particular word, except for the fact, as I was saying before, that the Hebrew words have these three letters, makes a word. The word often has both an abstract and an actual uh, meaning. So, there usually represents, you know, like the word, uh, 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 well, uh, the word for heart, the actual physical heart. Or the word for a liver uh, also has an abstract meaning. To honor. is To honor in the sense of give an honorarium. Give them something, you know, like a, the Nobel Peace Prize is supposedly includes a check. <laughs> so that it uh, it's not just a little symbol. It's an actual financial reward. And so, to honor thy father and thy mother has to do with fattening them, to in, give them an increase, uh, to tithe to your own parents, and your parents tithe to Melchizedek or whatever. And that's what honor had to do with it. But it also has the physical meaning of the liver. And, of course, we explain this in the in the sacrifice of piling up stones and burning up sheep. And turning that sheep over to the control of the Levites, the, to the reins of control of the Levites, they were all symbolic. They're metaphors. And if you take the words in their abstract meaning, uh, you'll get one idea in your head. But if you take it in the literal meaning, you'll be piling up stones and setting sheep on fire and think you're pleasing God. But the abstract meaning is that you give an offering over to the control of the Levites who take care of the widows and orphans and needy of your society. Uh, so, in other words, you give them support and then they rightly divide the bread from house to house when there is a need according to pure religion. That's That's what the Levites were doing. That's what the church in the wilderness was doing that we clearly see the church, because that's written in Greek in the New Testament, uh, rightly dividing the bread from house to house and taking care of the people and working daily in the temple. So the, the offerings that went to the ministers and up eventually to the temple and would have gone to the money changers and into the treasury are now being redistributed by the apostles and by the ministers on a local basis. Uh, to take care of the needy of society, which there were a lot of needy of society. Pretty soon there would be even more. But everybody who came out of the system of the Pharisees moved into this other system. What, what the people were really doing at Pentecost was opting out of the social welfare program we know as Corbin that was offered by the Pharisees through the temple and opting in to the system of Corbin set up by Christians, which we call the Way. And the Christians operated by faith, open charity, and the perfect law of liberty, and the Pharisees operated by force, fear, and violence, uh, 
by exercising authority one over the other, forcing the contributions of the people. John the Baptist said, no, do it through charity and sharing. Jesus said, no, do it through charity and sharing. But the modern Christian says, no, we do it through the government. And we go to church to make us feel good about the fact that the rest of the week we live, we, we exercise covetous practices and take from our neighbors so that we can have free school and free health care and free education and all this stuff. So anyway, you go back to that atonement word, which we see as pitch. It's going to have the physical meaning of, you know, covering. Sealing, and actually, we'll we'll talk about some and make even a connection in this uh, cellular communication. There's numerous ways in which cells are connected together in the human body. This is also related to understanding the kingdom of God, but we're not going to get to that now. We'll be lucky to get to that by the third hour this afternoon. But anyway, so we touched on that. But again, we're in this month of Adar. Theoretically, a a week ago, the money changers were cast out, or this would be the day that would be good for them to be cast out, because this is the day you would be paying into them. But you have no right to have them cast out, because you haven't repented yet. You see, Jesus had been telling everybody for three years to repent. He had a following that was following him, that were going to live by eating his flesh and drinking his blood. In other words, do it by charity rather than do it by the uh, Pharisees and their Corbin, which takes a bite out of the neighbor to provide in the redistribution of wealth. There was a redistribution of wealth in the kingdom, but it was voluntary under the perfect law of liberty. Both are governments. One is based on love. The other one is based on something other than love, which is usually involving force. All the people who say they're Christians but are praying to men who call themselves benefactors and exercise authority, they are not really Christians. They are fake Christians. (laughs) We have fake news. Well, they are believing in the fake good news, which is really bad news. Fake good news is bad news. So they don't know the gospel. They're not hearing it. They've got religious ideologies, which is idolatry, in their head because they believe in the doctrines of men. They don't actually believe in what Jesus said. They don't actually believe in what Moses said. If Jesus was here telling them what I'm telling you now, which he would tell you, you would hate him. You would not like him because he would say, no, no, you got to do it my way. You got to do it through love. You got you have family members that need help. You need government assistance. You should not be looking to the men who exercise authority. You should, and, and of course, now you're gonna, not going to make that transition overnight. Well, eventually you're going to make it overnight. <laughs> but right now, you have the chance to start turning around, repenting, and doing it the other way. And right now, you may be dependent upon the social welfare system of a system of force and violence. And men who call themselves benefactors who exercise authority and conscripted patries, conscripted fathers who rule one over the other. And you, you are now subject to ordinances. But you shouldn't be. But you are. 
And actually, in another way, you should be because you haven't repented yet. You're not thinking, seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. You think seeking the kingdom of God is espousing a bunch of religious doctrine or mumbo-jumbo gibberish about theologies and somehow or other because you've got all the study that you're right. No. It's not studying the Bible. It is it is doing what Jesus said. That's what's critical. You're not going to show yourself approved by a lot of studying. Forever studying, never coming to a knowledge of the truth. Study to show thyself approved, that actually means be diligent to show thyself approved. Be diligent what? In doing the will of Christ. So, are you paying into a minister who is actually trying to become the daily ministration of the people through faith, hope, and charity? Or are you paying into a minister who tickles your ears and tells you that you're already saved because you believe in Jesus? Even though you're not doing what Jesus said, you're not doing what the early church did. In fact, you're doing what the Pharisees did. You're going to men who exercise authority one over the other and saying, please, uh, give me... uh, Uh, aid for my family, for myself, for my parents. Give me social security. Save me with your social security. Because without it, I would be in trouble. Well, I'm without it. (laughs) And and yesterday, I felt like I was in trouble. (laughs) When I got in from work, I was stiff as a board. It was a windy, cold. It snowed in Summer Lake. No summer today. So, anyway, uh, uh, and I don't have Social Security. You're 70 years old and I don't have Social Security. I could get it. They would give me big, huge, mega checks and I would die. Because I know that my destiny is to go another direction. What do you know? What do you believe? What direction do you want to go in? Do you want to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness? Do you want to be atoned for and receive His covering? Well, then you have to do things according to Him. And I'll just briefly talk on this because somebody actually made the request and I love requests of things that people want me to talk about. That word, kafar, begins with the kaf uh, letter which usually has something to do with the crown, uh, to actualize the potential of power from the spiritual or physical realm. And But there's two more letters to that. And we'll talk about those when we come back. And then we'll get in to um, maybe Colossians and maybe a few other things that I've got in my notes, what's coming, uh, what's been, and uh, where you're at right today. We'll be right back.
Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, the three letters of uh, Kafar, we'll go through that really quick here. Kaf uh, uh, was the first one, and it usually has to do with crown. And has to do with potential power, either from a spiritual or a physical realm. And, of course, pitch has the power of keeping water out and sealing seams. And spirit has the power, and, I mean, it's astounding, the spiritual power has the power to stop evil from entering in. It actually just does it automatically. It repels evil, and you can't even, you don't have to do anything. If that spiritual potential power is there, it just repels evil. And when people who are evil come to do physical violence against you, they actually are incapacitated. They can actually be, you know, struck dumb in a moment. You can't can't hardly believe that, but I've seen it. It's astounding. So, that word that begins with the cough has both those potentials included in the idea, which is why you get a physical pitch and an abstract covering, spiritual covering. Well, the second word is uh second letter is pay which has to do usually with communication like the oral torah or from your mouth and uh, has to do with something you speak again remember when the pharisees were told that the kingdom would be taken from them well did jesus come in with an army and you know beat him up or did he uh appeal to pompey like the uh pharisees had done uh to to uh, get Aristobulus out of the temple. No. He just brought in this spiritual power. And they themselves cast themselves out by their own words. See, this is how you're condemned, by your own words. And Jesus talks about that. You say, I have no king but Caesar. You know, I'm going to apply for Caesar's benefits. I'm going to look to Caesar for my salvation. My solution, my security. And that's what people do. But of course, they feel a little guilty about that. So they need to have ministers who say, oh, that's okay. You're saved because you believe. You don't really believe. We know you don't really believe because you're not doing what Jesus said. If you really believed him, you'd be doing what he said. But you get to say these words, which of course are a lie. You're a false you know, bearing false witness. You're saying one thing but doing another. And but you got ministers to tell you how great you are and how wonderful how you're saved. And they tickle your ears and they make you feel good. And so you pay them lots of money and they get very rich. But you have no daily ministration that takes care of the needy of your society except for the men who call themselves benefactors and exercise authority. So out of your own mouth, you condemn yourself. I don't have to condemn you. I'm just I'm just speaking the truth. I'm just telling you how this all works. And you don't want to hear that, most of you, many of you. I don't know about the people who are actually listening today, if you've turned in. But you know that most of the people out there don't want to hear this. <laughs> they don't want to hear this. And they avoid it at all costs. Fortunately, my voice is, you know, I'm. we're going out, thousands of people. I just sent out a newsletter this week, uh, the Kingdom News List, and I was noticing how many people went to the pages that were linked in there to read them. And at first it was like 19, <laughs> and it was 50, and, the, and then the number is still climbing because it just went out. Um, 
but you know i'm i'm a lone voice out here we need more people we need more support but uh you don't i don't need your support i'm doing what christ said you need to support the righteousness of god whenever you wherever you find it whether it's here or somewhere else you need to support that that's what worship is Okay, the last letter that we see normally in this word is the resh. And resh has to do with usually, in a sum up in a phrase, process of clarification. It also usually represents the head. I mean, you, like uh, sar resh resh, that is, that's a ruler, uh, an authority. Sar resh is someone who's an authority, but he doesn't rule over you. The resh has to do with head or beginning of something. Uh, has to do with life's revelation uh, or life revealing itself. And of course, if you're dead, then what is revealed is death. And if you're alive, then what is revealed is alive. And of course, we're supposed to be dead in Christ, which gives us life. Because no greater love than the man that he laid down his life for his fellow man. And that laying down of your life has to do with contributions. Giving so that others may live. Sharing part of what you have that you've produced, your life, for others that they may live. This is what families do. This is what husbands and wives do for their children. They lay down their life daily for their children. They set aside what they want and they do what is necessary for their family. This sets a flow, a mim, in a particular direction in your life. But if you only love your family, there is no grace. You have to love other families, even families that don't love you. This is why Christ says that we are to love our enemies even. Because greater mem, greater flow, greater change. This is repentance brings. And it becomes easy and easier. And you get go back to that potential power. That because this is this is uh, cycling, this is like a uh, like a whirlwind. There was a tornado touched down in Bend, uh, just the uh, Bend, Oregon, and uh, there was a lot of stuff went on in Bend, Oregon. Uh, it was a disturbance in the forest, maybe. <laughs> but anyway, there was shootings and everything else, and my part of my family was uh, stranded there. But uh, anyway, uh, everything worked out for us. Uh, but that's there. There's this seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. It says all else will be given unto you. You will receive a divine protection. You you, you will be pitched inside and out to protect you. But if you're not going to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then all bets are off. You may find yourself between a rock and a hard place. So anyway, and that's where most people are waking up because they haven't been seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And so now they're waking up and finding that they're between a rock and a hard place. That they're bound in, in, in bondage. And they are again entangled in the elements of the world, the rudiments of the world. Which they talk about three times in Colossians. They mention Rudiments of the world. And the word rudiments there is also translated elements. And uh, even elements of the world. In you know other um, epistles such as um, in Peter. 
But anyway, we'll get into that when we get into Colossians. But uh, we're do- doing a little prelude here in the news. We had um, uh, New York is talking about free public colleges, which is something Bernie Sanders has been promoting for a long time. Did you know that we used to have free college, private colleges, free private colleges here in America? It was actually written into the bylaws of places like Harvard and that uh, you had to offer college for free to people who couldn't afford it if they had the potential to graduate. In other words, they had you know, the grades and they were willing to do the work, etc., etc., These public colleges that are now going to be free are not really free. They are going to take money from the taxpayers and create these public colleges. Now, what the other colleges who had this written in their bylaws that they had to offer their college degrees for free to people who couldn't afford it, they would actually look into the fact, do you have the money? Can you pay anything? This is all we can pay. This is all we make. And they would share that information. But they would they would show the scholastic ability. And they said, okay, if you work, we will educate you for free. And, of course, they were able to do this because of alumni. And they wanted you to be successful. That, their motive was to make you successful. To make you bright, intelligent, and successful. That was their goal. Because you would become alumni. And when you became alumni, you would pay money back into the college so that they could do the same for the next generation. Whole different spirit than I'm going to send men to everybody's house in town and force them to contribute to us so that we can pay the tuition at the college. Because I can guarantee you the college tuitions will go up which they have already done. And, you know, just with the loan thing. See, now, student loans, they borrow from... uh, Individuals borrow and become debtors. But with this new system, which isn't all that new, of Bernie Sanders and other people like uh, Jean-Luc Mélenchon, who is running for presidency in France, that guy is quite a character. And he's actually going up in the polls. He may be... He wants 100% tax on the rich. 100% income tax on the rich. 100%. Already you got over 70% in France. And this guy wants 100% on the rich. <laughs> and he's, he's totally Marxist. Pro-Soviet Union. And, uh, I mean, he's more Marxist than the Soviets even claim to be. But he's rising in the polls. He's a lot of rhetoric. Uh, fiery speaker. And everybody else is so corrupt. But France has lost its pitch a long time ago. And there's going to be the bloodiest race war uh, you can imagine. It's going to be centered in Europe, and it's going to be centered in France. It, I mean, it's going to be horrible. Uh, you're going to also see it in Italy and everything else. And they'll, they'll be back and forth. And But it, it'll devastate Europe. Um, it's already written. Uh, it's, it's coming about. Unless suddenly people decided to repent, which I, I don't see... Really, uh, at all. I also saw, uh, you know, Charles Kirk, who, uh, he's the founder of Turning Point USA. He, he's been talking about, uh, the least diverse place in America is the college campuses. The, the, where 
there is an actual agenda of you know leftist uh, propaganda. I mean the the uh, leftist uh, professors outnumber the conservatives twelve to one on college campuses. I mean there's a few colleges that are more conservative, but generally speaking, taking them all into consideration, twelve to one. So this creates a mindset of college graduates and even non-college graduates of this leftist approach, which is a socialistic approach. And uh, really the difference between communism and socialism is that communism starts with a C. <laughs> that's a, that's a, one of the major differences. Um, according to Ian Rand, uh, it's the difference between murder and suicide. Socialism is suicide and everything and communism is murder. Except, you know, socialism is a little bit murder, too. Uh, because, basically, it's covetousness. It's it's where the people want a redistribution of wealth by somebody in power. Uh, Christ wanted a redistribution of wealth, but he wanted that choice to be in the power of the individual. Everything you make is yours, but you get to decide how and with whom you wish to share it. So that's the job of community. And I, I visited our community page today, uh, put some extra links in there back to, you know, the kingdom of God and uh, a number of other uh, links that uh, what we've we've created quite a website with preparing you so that there's a lot of new articles. And so to go into some of the original articles and uh, link them to these other articles that are already in existence uh, is a task that is kind of an ongoing task. And so anyway, um, basically there's what we're talking about is the kingdom of God is an intentional community. This whole thing that Christ was preaching, that John the Baptist was preaching, this kingdom of God was literally an intentional community. And it operated by faith, hope, and charity which is, by definition, love, and the perfect law of liberty uh, as a form of government, a way in which to govern yourselves through liberty. How do you govern yourselves through liberty? Well, it has to be according to the righteous doctrines of Jesus Christ. It can't, can't be just a bunch of thieves and robbers. You have to do it according to the righteous doctrines of Christ. Uh, you have to repent of your covetous practices, which is basically the socialistic tendencies we've seen uh, coding the nation for the last 50 to 100 years. And, uh, you know, you're laid with pitch inside and out with this socialism instead of righteousness. This covetousness instead of righteousness. And it's destroying... Your generations. You're cursing your generation not only with that, but with these idea that it's okay to take a bite out of one another. It's okay to take from your neighbor if you get what you want out of the deal. In other words, your society is promoting wantonness. Now, the early church, the early Christians, were actually put to death because they refused to sign up at the state temples for the free bread and circuses of Rome. They were actually put to death because they would not sign up. Modern Christians sign up right away and have for a generation or more. 
And now they're all found entangled again in the elements of the world. They're, what should have been for the welfare was a snare, as Paul and David said. And they sat down to eat with a ruler, as Proverbs 23 says. And they did not put a knife to their throat when they were offered all these dainties, these benefits, these iniquitous rewards. And they ate heartily. And now they wake up in debt. You know, I saw a a cartoon. It was an old cartoon out of a paper the other day. And it showed, uh, you know, like a rich man climbing a ladder. And uh, it said on him, 10,000 annual income. And then there was another guy behind him who made a thousand annual income. And uh, there was another guy behind him, which was supposedly the worker, the employee. And uh, he uh, was in in the water up to his neck. And the guy at the top said, everybody take one step back. Of course, that would put the guy at the bottom of the rock <laughs> under the water. And... Uh, and so you can't necessarily do that. Uh, but the interesting thing I saw in the mem was that uh, the wealthiest tycoon was only making $10,000 a year. Did you know that? You didn't have to pay any income tax whatsoever if you made less than $10,000 when income tax first came about. Well, actually, when it first came about as uh, wages and salaries income tax, because there was income tax before, but it was only fiduciaries. But uh, the uh, $10,000, though, in those days would buy you multiple homes. You know, even in the 40s, you could buy a brand new house or a fairly brand new house with, you know, solid oak floors and and uh, or maple floors and oak cabinets and dishes in the cupboard for $3,500. That's right, $3,500. You buy a house, several bedrooms in a nice neighborhood for $3,500. Walls painted, whole thing. Uh, but inflation has caused that. Now that, so if you were making $10,000 a year, you could buy a couple of those homes every year. And that's in the 40s. If you go back to, you know, 20s and 30s, you could even buy more. But inflation has taken over. So now, you you know, $10,000, you starve to death because the dollar isn't worth what it used to be. The price of things has not gone up. Is the value of the dollar going down. Well, this whole idea of Federal Reserve notes and everything, those are unjust weights and measures. Those aren't just weights and measures. They're not even weights. Their notes. And because you strayed from the simple guideline of just weights and measures, you're bankrupt as a nation. Without all the greedy desire for benefits, you're still bankrupt as a nation. You don't own your land anymore. You've gone back into the bondage. You haven't been seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because it's unrighteous. That that money is unrighteous. With the birth of every new child and the rollover of every printing press, the money in your pocket becomes worth less. If you were still on just weights and measures with the birth of every child, your money in your pocket would be worth more. There wouldn't be... The abortion problem would disappear. uh, Almost entirely. Families would again be united. You want to make this nation great? 
do away with social welfare. That means you have to work towards doing away with public education, do away with social security, do away with um, food stamps, EBT cards, welfare by the government entirely. Well, of course, nobody's going to vote that in. That's just not going to happen. We see in France, they're actually wanting more of it. And you're going to see that in America, wanting more of it. I mean, if you got 12 out of every 13 professors or leftists, that's what you're educating your people to do. You're not going to change this with a vote. You're not going to advocate that and have people vote away these benefits. So what can you do? You can seek a society that does not need those benefits. So that you want to congregate together with other people. Some will have children, some will not. Everybody homeschools. And if you're homeschooling this day and age, sometimes husband and wife both have to work to make ends meet because you've already been, you've gone down this road of bondage for forever now. In a congregation, you can help one another homeschool. You can pool your efforts together. You can row that ship together. You have to choose to help one another. You get The choice remains with you and how much you want to help and when you want to help and how you want to help. That's your choices. But you get to work together in a congregation. And that congregation has to care about the next congregation as much as it cares about itself. We go back to that word that's also translated, uh, you know, pitch and village. Same word, pitch and village. And atonement. So, what what is it? What does it mean? Village, atonement, pitch? Well, you know, Hillary Clinton was right. It takes a village. <laughs> I know, not the way she was thinking, but the reality is the village is a voluntary system. And... You know, in some sectors, a village is a voluntary system. Uh, I love the movie um, A Place Called Alice because they have a little tiny scene in there where uh, they're deciding where to put a well. And they go to the leader and he says, well, I can't tell you where we're going to put the well. I don't have that kind of authority. So they sit down with all the elders of the village and they talk it out and they agree on where to put the well. The leader is not a ruler. He just helps the people come together. This is what a minister does. He didn't tell you what you are supposed to do. He facilitates what you want to do. He just goes and says, okay, they agree they want the well here. That's his job. Okay, that's the job of a minister. We, uh, a minister wrote me. He's going to send a letter to his uh, congregants. And uh, he wrote me and, and another minister. And we read the letter. And I haven't made any comment to him. I'll probably talk to him on the uh, minister's call on Monday. But uh, the, uh, the letter points out that it, it talks about his responsibility to that congregation. But the, his responsibility is also to every other congregation in equal amounts. It's just that he is the connecting point between his congregation, the congregation he serves, and all the other congregations. And he makes that connection point real 
because he's in a congregation of ministers. This is what networking was all about. This is this is how you become fishers of men. You create a network where men can go for their daily bread without participating in a system of welfare that is a snare. And this is what the seeking the kingdom of God was all about. We'll be right back to the kingdom, uh, keys of the kingdom, after this brief break. back to keys of the kingdom this idea of um, seeking that kingdom of god and his righteousness and what that kingdom looks like is is very uh, very important in the uh, operation of your salvation because christ like i said did his part but are you going to actually follow in the way the way of christ because this kingdom of God, like I said, is an intentional community. It operates by faith, hope, and charity, which is the definition of love. Uh, it does so according to the perfect law of liberty. In other words, all the choices that are to be made in the government of God are to be made by you. And hopefully you know what choice to make because of the fact that you uh, are listening to God. Because that's how he builds his church. Not by flesh and blood, but by this divine revelation. So if you if you read the Bible and you're not listening to God in this in your heart and your mind through divine revelation, you're not going to understand it because it's you can't. It's not the knowledge of men. That's the tree of knowledge stuff. The people who live eating from the tree of knowledge read the Bible all the time. This is why I have all these different doctrines. And this is why you're subject to the ordinances of men. is because you've been listening to these men. This early church practiced charity. And took care of all the social welfare needs of the people. They, they talk about the apostles. Continued daily with one accord in the temple. Dividing bread from house to house. That's that's what they were doing. And they were doing this as a welfare system for Christians that operated by charity in what we call pure religion. Taking care of the needy of your society, widows, orphans, whoever. Normally the family takes care of these things, but occasionally that's too much for a single family, or at least for a period of time. And so they need help. And what do they do? They either go to the governments who exercise authority but and sit and eat their dainties, which are a snare, or they go to church. Well, the modern church doesn't do this. The modern church is the opiate of the people, teaching the doctrines of men. They're not teaching this 
doctrine, which is clearly the doctrine of Christ, is clearly what we see that first century church doing. The denominations of the modern Christian are are entangled in these rudiments of the world and have become subject to ordinances. And their wantonness for those benefits, those rewards of unrighteousness, those rewards that come from taking a bite out of one another, uh, we were told to touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using. So, you know, I I briefly ran over to the chat room for a second and took a look at everybody's talking about uh, everything from Bitcoin to PayPal to, uh, you know, uh, you know how do you, how do you function in society? Well, actually, the answers we have all kinds of answers on how to function into society, and I see uh, one of our ministers telling them a few things that they can do, but. Really, all these things we could share with everybody, but we're not to, we're told not to share them with everybody because it's not given to everybody to know the answers. It's given to those who are seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So are you in a congregation? Are you gathering regularly for the purpose of serving because Christ came to serve? He didn't come to get. He didn't go to church so that he could get a good feeling, that he can feel self-righteous. He went to church to serve. He went to the people to serve. He came to serve, to lay down his life. Are you coming to lay down your life? Most guys won't. You know, everybody that is in in the uh, general network were to contribute just a few dollars, you know, uh, a week. Uh we could do all kinds of things. We could set a good example to the people. But instead, the ministers are almost entirely supported by their own labor. Almost entirely supported by their own labor. And then they take extra time out to labor to teach you the process of the kingdom. Because everybody's sitting back and doing their own thing and saying, we want to be free. But you can't be free until you want others to be free. And you don't really want others to be free until you're willing to sacrifice and lay down your life at least a little bit at a time. That's just the way it works. That's the way, it's, that's the way John the Baptist said it. That's the way Abraham said it. That's the way Moses said it. That's the way Jesus Christ said it. But everybody else thinks, no, we just read the Bible and be free. <laughs> And then they want to know some quick, easy solution on how to be free, to be separate. You know, just get, can I just sign something somewhere and become separate? <laughs> it doesn't work that way. You got to be pitched inside and out. You can't just put on a magic coating and then they can't get you. You got to change inside. You got to change the way you think. You got to think like Christ who came to serve, to sacrifice. You're not going to come to serve and to sacrifice. You should not be free. The slothful should be under tribute. And and that's just the way it is. But anyway, so I said that I would uh, talk a little bit about Colossians and uh, we can read in uh, it I 
guess I should probably start at First Colossians, but I, I don't really have the notes to start at First Colossians. Um, uh, but I, so I was going to start at Second Colossians, and um, I uh, I just noticed that uh, I didn't have everything the way I wanted it. <laughs> but so I'm quickly fixing that. But um, the uh, the thing is, is we don't. We don't, when we read the Bible, we don't understand this basic idea that the kingdom of God is a government of God. That's a, the word kingdom. Let's just transpose the word government. I mean, we can see them transposing the word pitch and atonement and village. So can't we just call kingdom government? Because I'm going to appoint unto you a kingdom is like I'm going to appoint unto you a government, right? When he says that. I'm going to take the kingdom away from you. I'm going to take the government away from you. And I'm going to appoint it to somebody else. So that's what he's saying. Is he going to take the government away from them? Now he could take it away from the Pharisees. He didn't take it away from Caesar. But once he had... The government of God is a government of choice. So you have to have a right to choose to be a part of that government. Or you can be a part of all the other governments. And of course that's what we see Paul taking to the government of Corinth, saying, you know, you guys, your treasury ought to be working like we do it, through free will offerings. And to some degree, Corinth went back that way. I mean, it used to be that way in Corinth back in the days of the Peloponnesian Wars. You know, it was Athens who was imposing taxes. But, you know, things changed. I mean... Rome was entirely a voluntary tax system. You only had to pay, uh, I can't remember what the amount was, but it was just a small coin or two that was the compelled tax in Rome. And it was mostly just kind of an ante up to make sure that you were still participating. And in Israel, it was just a half shekel, which is like a dime or less than a dime. You had to pay that. Everything else was voluntary. You could pay this minister or that minister or whatever minister. No minister could kick in your door if you didn't pay. But you guys had a better idea. Your parents had a better idea. And your grandparents had a better idea. I said, Let's force our neighbor to contribute to our welfare. But we'll call ourselves Christians while we're doing this. Even though that's completely the opposite of what Christ said. People say, well, we're supposed to give to Caesar what is Caesar. Yeah, that's right. But where does it say... Uh, pray to Caesar for your benefits. And the fact is, if you were sitting and eating less at Caesar's table, you would owe less, like the Amish. They don't have to pay into Obamacare. They they don't they don't get fined if they don't sign up for Obamacare. Why? Because they were doing it already. They didn't even have to apply for the exemption. They were just they're just automatically exempt. If you were Christians, you'd be automatically exempt from most of the other programs of society. You couldn't go to them for food stamps, EBT, Social Security, public education. You'd be excluded now. But if everybody who said they were Christians were actually Christians, that wouldn't be a problem. You would have a vast network in this country of millions of people more successful than anything you'd ever seen. Because they had stuck to what Christ said. They were doers of the word. But the modern Christians, they're not doers of the word. There's hardly a Christian left around. They're all under strong delusion. Another page I was working on. 
recently. So uh, Colossians, you know, we look at Colossians too, and we'll probably do a whole s- system on Colossians. And, and you know, I, I've got over there in the comment section now uh, what verses in the Bible expresses the idea of being wary of rulers offering free bread or benefits. Well, uh, Proverbs 23, of course, you know, put a knife to your throat when you sit to eat with a ruler. Second uh, Peter 2.15, um, uh, Psalms uh, 69.22, Romans 11.9, Revelations uh, 2.6 and 2.15, which talk about the Nicolaitan. The Nicolaitan were, you know, which God hates the deeds of the Nicolaitan, but the doctrine of the Nicolaitan was basically the idea that yeah you could you could apply for benefits at the expense of your neighbor that's what Nicolaitans were all about because it was the same as the era of Balaam and we have articles and there's links now on our Colossians page that will take you to those articles you know and Peter says you know through your covetous practices they'll make merchandise of you done deal already happened you're back in the bondage of Egypt, and it's worse than ever for you. Not as bad as it is for France. Seventy <laughs> percent income tax, going up to a hundred percent income tax. <laughs> when you have a hundred percent income tax, you're pretty much a slave. <laughs> that's, a, that's it. You're done. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's why you're merchandise. That's why you're in bondage again. That's why you're, you know, entangled again in the elements of the world. Because you've gone to benefactors who exercise authority. And your parents did. People said, well, that was my parents. That's not me. Well, you know, Israel was in bondage for 400 years because of the act of one generation. Because the kingdom of God is from generation to generation. You inherit rights. You don't just have them. You didn't just spring up out of an egg. You inherit rights. You don't have access to your rights anymore. You're born in bondage. Get it. Write it down. Remember that. Make a note. Put Make a little tag and put it on your t-shirt so you can read it. You're in bondage. Now, you want to change that. You have to think differently. Instead of thinking about what you can get, you have to think about what you can give. You have to think about, if I'm going to lay down my life, I'm going to lay down my life for righteousness. Then you can pick it back up with life more abundant. But if you're not going to gather together to serve others, forget it. You're not going to be free. It's just not going to happen. You're going to be dead. (laughs) Because you're dead already. Because you don't have the life of Christ in you. Because if you had the life of Christ in you, I wouldn't have to argue this point. Because you'd already want to serve others. You'd want to give life to others. That's why That's why your ministers are supposed to be the husbands of one wives and the, the heads of families. Because you learn that in a family. You learn to sacrifice for your children every day and for your spouse. You have to learn that. If you don't, you don't get it. So in Colossians, he says, For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you. And for them of Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, and that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, 
and unto all riches of full assurance of understanding to acknowledge the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You see, when you start going down this road, your eyes will be open. Scales will come off. You'll start seeing other solutions left and right. Many of those solutions I see, but I cannot implement them because you have not yet repented. You aren't yet gathering together. You have forsaken the gathering together. You have forsaken sacrificing daily. So there is no, or very little, redistribution of the bread to the needy of society. And very little of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge that are going to come unto you. How many people are listening now that have listened for years and are not a part of a congregation? Well, what do you want? I'm not giving away the secrets to those who are unworthy of the secrets of the kingdom, the mysteries of the kingdom. There's a link in there to the mysteries of God on our Colossians page. I'm going to put in a lot more links. I'm going to work on a lot of these things to try to put more of this. Uh, He talks about beholding your order and steadfast of your faith in Christ. Where do I see that? Amongst most of you out there in radio land. How are you really seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness? As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. I don't see it. People telling me they received Christ Jesus, but I don't see them walking in him. I don't see them doing what the first century church did. I see them doing what the Pharisees did. Praying to the conscripted fathers of the earth for their daily bread and their benefits. And that that uh, monthly check. But they want to imagine that they have received Christ Jesus. But they're not seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because they're not gathering together. And sure, I have a guy who's who's hardly... Surviving, he's working hard, but he's hardly surviving. Had a number of bad things happen, and uh, he still sent some money this week. I feel guilty about taking it, but we've helped him out, and we're ready to help him out again. Because I mean, it's like the widow's denarii, <laughs> you know, her, she she where her widow's mite, where she just gives a little bit because that's all she had. He seems to get that. I don't know. I've never met the guy. We have ministers who have. And yet, so many people that are in the network sit there and think that we're just here to entertain them. Send out another article. Send out another article. Oh, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. But they don't give anything. Oh, they give to those that they love. But that isn't, there's no grace in that. You, Christ came to give life to people he never met. And here we see him talking about writing many people that he has not met in the flesh. Because that's what the early church was doing. I mean, Paul was moving funds from Galatia to Corinth and into Ephesus and all over the place. Because there were needs greater here and then greater over here. And then you had to... This is the way the body works. 
Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world. We see that that uh, phrase again, rudiments of the world. You'll see it three times in this Colossians alone. Which is the, the same word there is also translated elements. Elements of the world. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption for of whom a man is overcome, of the same he is brought into bondage. Second Peter 2.19 And in Second uh, Peter 3.12 it says, Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. That's that same word, elements, there. That's the same word we see as rudiments. People think that they're talking about a nuclear war and all this stuff. That's ridiculous. That's not what they're talking about. The, the elements will... Of what? Of the world? What world? Constitutional order and system of governments. All they're doing is talking about a collapse of the governmental systems of the world. You see in Galatians 4.3... Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. (laughs) You see it in Galatians. Elements of the world. That's the same as rudiments of the world. Same same Greek phrase. And and it appears here in Galatians, and we saw it in Colossians. What are they talking about? Speaking of bondage in a legal system? Well, that's certainly what they were speaking of in Colossians. Uh, They were in a bondage in the elements of the world. Entangled in the elements of the world. The Bible talks about bondage and being subject to the gods of the world or the institutions created by men like Cain, Nimrod, even Pharaoh, and of course Caesars. But the Christians had another king, one Jesus, who came to set them free. Free to do what? To be responsible. To take back their responsibilities to themselves, to their family, and to their neighbor. Christians were doing this and just in the nick of time because as Rome collapsed and decayed away, Christians were able to help one another. In a system of government. A different form of government than what you're used to looking at, but it was a government. It operated not by force, but by the perfect law of liberty. But it requires congregations of people who come to serve and to sacrifice. In other words, come in the name of Christ. Galatians 4, 9 says, But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, rudiments, Whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? Well, when you desire to take a bite out of your neighbor. And your parents did. And they brought you into bondage. I mean, it is... No Christian should want any benefits he doesn't pay for. Just by his very nature. I mean, it screamed at me when I was growing up. People offering you free money. and Just sign up here and... Like, why? I don't get it. 
And they turned those things down. Others have not. Your parents did not, probably. Maybe they had qualms of conscience. I don't know. We, the people, have become entangled by elements of the world in a form of a corby system of slavery, reduced to mere merchandise, not so much by the despots of the world as by our own wantonness and our own sloth. You say, I don't want the benefits, but I don't want to join in a congregation and become a benefactor to others through charity. That's sloth. Even though you didn't want their benefits, you didn't want to become the benefits to your brother. So you're still out. You're still, your name is still crossed off of, out of the book of life. If we will not repent and love one another, how can we say we love the Father? Enough to follow the way of love? We're not doing that. We're not doing it. We need to change. That's what repentance is. Changing. In Colossians 2.20 it says, Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances? Yeah. Why are you? Because you're not dead in Christ. You're not really following in the ways of Christ. You're you're doing something else. You know, if we go back to verse 16, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect to uh, of a, a holy day or of new moons or of Sabbath. Because he knows... None of that makes any difference. Sabbath, you're not, if you're in debt or you're a citizen of a country that is in debt, you're not keeping the Sabbath. Because the Sabbath is about a way of working first and earning your way. Now, that doesn't mean you, you, you could end up where you need help. You, where you need somebody else's assistance. But that assistance must come by free will choice. Otherwise, it's not the perfect law of liberty. If your benefits come from the governments of the world, you're not keeping the Sabbath. Because all the governments of the world are operating in debt. They're all borrowing against the future. That's why they curse their children with debt. But as we were talking about earlier, they not only curse their children with debt, they curse their children with ideas, which is why 12 out of 13 college professors are leftists. They're brainwashing your children, and you're paying them to do it because almost all these colleges are receiving money through taxation, either through student loans or through direct uh, payments from the government and public colleges. You're paying to have somebody brainwash your children. And you don't have to even go to college. You can get this in the schools. Because the history books have all been changed. We show this over and over again. And your teachers are all liberal arts, usually uh, graduates. They've all been brainwashed. Hard to find an actual Christian teacher anywhere. I mean, you can find a lot of them who say they're Christian. But then 
if they were really Christian, would they even be there? Now, I I understand that God has to reveal to people, and there's a lot of people in places that they really shouldn't be. You know, it's like the Roman centurion. He believed in Christ, and yet he was a Roman centurion. But I'm talking about waking up. Wherever you're at, teacher, policeman, politician, waking up and seeking the kingdom. It doesn't mean jumping out of what you are at now. If you seek the kingdom, seek that system of righteousness, of charity, you, your mind will be changed and your opportunities will change too. We'll be back. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, Are you seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness? Or are you seeking something else other than the kingdom of God and His righteousness? Because that hasn't changed. That was the same back in the days of Enoch, back in the days of Abraham, back in the days of Melchizedek. And Jesus was a king according to the order of Melchizedek. And there was tithing to Melchizedek, who was... Clearly, Shem. By anybody who hasn't gone in, uh, you know, been seduced by these uh, uh, these uh, philosophies of men. I mean, it was known for thousands of years, and whole books were written about it, uh, about the fact that Melchizedek was Shem, and it makes sense. But anyway, uh, Jesus was, according to the order of Melchizedek, the, who was the righteous king of peace. That's what Jesus was, the righteous king of peace. He wasn't going to force you to come together and care about one another. But if you don't come together and care about one another, you really don't know Jesus. You will not receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit only comes to those people who actually really begin to repent. Because you can't conjure up the Holy Spirit. By rituals, you know this the the idea that you follow all these things, you know, um, I guess in the chat room, there was people talking about these alternative monies like cryptocurrency, you know, and i I thought you know I always hear that word crypto currency, and I think like what what is crypto, and so I actually just did a search during the break, crypto, and they say it's short for cryptography. But the second informal definition is a person having a secret allegiance to a political creed, especially communism. That's what crypto is. <laughs> but in cryptography is the art of writing, uh, uh, of writing or solving codes. And, of course, there is probably nothing more unbiblical than things like Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrencies. 
because they aren't just weights and measures. You can't even measure unless you can measure an electron. <laughs> so, no, the and even if you were to go back to gold and silver and copper and and there's so many different other metals that you could create. You know, you could literally. I did this calculations once. If you know, like I said, with every baby born, you would uh, the money in your pocket would become more valuable if it was just weights and measures. It wouldn't be currency. It would be just weights and measures. It wouldn't be coins. It would be just weights and measures. And those of you who don't understand what I'm saying probably don't understand the Bible either. But uh, with every, the birth of every child, the money in your pocket would become more valuable because there'd be greater demand on a limited supply. But you could have all kinds of other things besides gold and silver and copper, which are you know standard. Uh, forms of, uh, but you could literally go out and buy a car with an ounce of gold. That literally, that's all it would take to buy a whole car, an ounce of gold. Probably you could buy a really nice car with an ounce of gold. You could half ounce of get you a used car. Um, you could buy not only a loaf of bread for pennies. You might be able to buy three loaves of bread for a penny. <laughs> Because that used to be what it would cost. I mean, a loaf of bread would cost you a penny. And when I was a kid, it cost 10 cents. And we'd already seen decades and decades of inflation. So, you know, suddenly, you know, you could carry around huge amounts of wealth. You know, that was one of the things they said they went to notes because it wasn't so heavy. <laughs> well, now, how much do 1500 <laughs> Paper dollar bills uh, weigh because <laughs> it probably weighs more than an ounce of gold. Um, and the truth is that if you were back on that current, I shouldn't say currency, back on that uh, just weights and measures, the the value of the gold would be, you know, like, you know, about $20,000, $30,000 an ounce, maybe more. It all depends on where you're at in that. The point is, seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness does not come to changing over to gold and silver. It's fine if you want to have some gold and silver coin. But it it is a mindset. It's a changing of the mind where you, as Colossians was saying, that where you have access to this wisdom. If you just go and read the Bible, that's just the tree of the knowledge. Anybody can read the Bible. And, and tens of thousands, millions of people... Uh, tens of millions of people read the Bible and come up with tens of thousands of different conclusions. Because, But if you were reading it with the Holy Spirit, you would come up with one conclusion. It isn't, it isn't so much... There is codes in the Bible. There is, you know, I mean, Hebrew language itself is almost a code. As we were discussing uh, the beginning with the word pitch, that is also the word atonement, which is also the word village. How can it be so many different things? Well, actually, it's really not so many different things, but it's a concept. Words are symbols of ideas. But the Spirit giveth life, not the symbol. So if you really want to understand what the Old Testament is saying, all those rituals and ceremonies of the Old Testament... Are, are no different than what Christ was saying. 
Christ and Moses were in agreement. Moses and Enoch were in agreement. Abraham and Moses were in agreement. What's not in agreement is most of you out there. Because you're not coming together in the name of Christ. You're not coming together to love one another. Oh, Almost everybody has a little groupie group that they have, which they might call a congregation or a home church or something. And they all pat each other on the back and they all get along and they they fulfill the gregarious desires of society. And they make you feel good that you have such a group. But that's not why you gather to feel good. Christ didn't get crucified to feel good. That isn't that isn't coming in the name of Christ to come together to feel good. It's to come together to do good. You don't really love your neighbor if you're not coming together. You know, we talk about these economic collapse and climate change and all these different disasters that are coming and wars and rumors of wars and and the political systems. I mean, they're just gone crazy. You know, like I was saying with the the guy running for presidency in in France. And everybody's always putting their hopes on the next candidate in the United States or I suppose in Australia or Canada or wherever. But nobody really understands what Christ was saying because they're not doing what Christ said to do. They're certainly not doing what the early church. Do you, are you congregating with a church that is striving to be the entire social welfare of the people that it serves? And even reach out and help people outside of the church. What church is trying to be the entire social welfare of the people that congregate with its ministers? Because if your church isn't doing that, your church has nothing to do with Christ. Because the church he appointed, I appoint unto you a kingdom. That it's going to feed my sheep, take care of my flock, work daily in the temple, rightly dividing the bread from house to house. Because all the people who are following the way of Christianity have waived their rights to the free bread of Rome, to the social security of Rome, to the free education of Rome, to the benefits that are served at the table of kings. They've waived their right to that because that's what repentance is. Repentance is not getting dunked in the water and saying, I'm going to love Jesus without knowing who he is or what he said. But if you were to do that, all these other little minor problems like currency and just weights and measures, those are easy to solve. But you need that network of people who actually come together. The Christians knew this. This is why Christ preached for years. This is why Christianity didn't really come together. I mean, there were semblances of it. We see it amongst the Essenes, etc. But as Christianity, it's day of Pentecost, 50 days after the death of Christ. Are you going to be ready for Pentecost in 50 days? Are you going to be ready to suddenly opt out of a system that is going to fall apart anyway as we see the Roman system falling apart? 
It's going to be much faster. It's not going to take 400 years or whatever it was, 300 years for this system to fall apart. This We're going to do things much faster and bigger. <laughs> and millions will die. And millions will starve. But that isn't why you come together. The reason you come together is because you actually want to learn what it means to love one another. And start caring for one another. And providing for one another. And then you have to actually do it. You have to do what you say you want. You have to do the word. Become doers of the word of Christ. Because this is what Christ said to do. Taking the kingdom and all the responsibilities of the government of the Pharisees. Away from them. And I'm going to appoint it to my little flock which we call the church, the ecclesia. And then they're going to go out and work daily in the temple. I mean, why have we not set up the tables of the early church, man by seven men? What is that? If you're listening to this and you don't know by now, you got a lot to learn. Because that's doable right now. But it's only doable if people actually start coming together and doing what Christ said to begin with. What John the Baptist said to begin with. What Moses and Joshua were doing to begin with. And and to begin with, Moses started that when the people were still paying their tally of bricks. But they were gleaning in the field at night for their straw. Straw represents benefits aid the same as pitch represents atonement and the liver represents honor and heart or kidneys represent reins of control these are all all these you talk about crypto you talk about symbols as a physical symbol kidney the same word that is translated kidney translated reins as in reins of control reins of a horse the same word that is translated liver is translated honor honor thy father and thy mother if you're not taking care of your mother or at least trying to ready to and your father in their old age you're not really been seeking the kingdom of God very well this is what we need to be doing. It's going to take sacrifice on your part. And that isn't a sacrifice. That's just love. Love and sacrifice, same thing. I mean, who loves their children without sacrificing for their children? How can you say you love your neighbor and you don't sacrifice? That was one of the things that I was uh, going to talk to you about. Uh, because I saw it in uh, in uh, notes. Uh, with uh, there was a a Jewish rabbi who was talking about. Let's see, it was Rabbi Abraham uh, Tversky. Uh, he says so much of what is love today is fish love, and and he uses this analogy of a guy says I love fish, and he says why did you take it out of the water and kill it? Because I love fish. Because, and I actually think that's a poor analogy. I always use my cat and bird thing. My cat loves birds. 
but usually you know how much he loves them by the feathers laying there in a pile out in the yard. <laughs> he loved that bird to death. Most love is selfish love. You say you love Jesus, but I don't believe it. I don't see the sacrifice. You say you love your neighbor, but you send men to your neighbor's house to force them to contribute to your child's free education. That's not love. Now, most people are completely blind to that. They don't understand that. And they're not Christians. And we should not let them pretend that they are Christians. If people say, well, yeah, I, I'm a Christian, but I send my kids to public school. No, you can't do that. A Christian is a follower of the way. Not a follower of Christ, of the way of Christ. It's not somebody, oh, I'm going to go this way, but I'm going to tell everybody I'm following Christ. I'm going to go the opposite direction that Christ said to go, but I'm going to tell everybody that I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. You can't do that. I'm going to read the Bible, but I'm not going to gather together. I'm, I'm going to say I believe in Jesus, but I'm not going to become the benefactors of congregations of people who also believe in Jesus. I'm not going to take from the benefactors of the world, but I'm not going to be a benefactor to the faithful. Well, it doesn't make any sense. You're not, you don't believe in Jesus. If you're not gathering, if you're forsaking the gathering together. Now, if you're just gathering with your little group, that's the same thing. You're not gathering together in kingdom. You're just gathering a little congregation. Kingdom is kingdom. The apostles were serving people right out of the box all over the Roman world. They were sending aid all over the Roman world right out of the box. They were also taking care of all the local needs and they were creating... They were appointing the seven that we see both in the Old Testament where it says appoint seven, even eight. And they were appointing seven right away. We haven't done that yet. We don't have the viable congregations to make that happen. And there's absolutely no reason why God should make that happen until you start gathering together. You want somebody else to build it and then you'll come. No. You build it, you'll be there already. That's why you need to network as real congregations, really learning what it means to care about one another. Get your nose out of your paper Bible and get your heart into the ways of Christ. I mean, you can read your paper Bible. I don't mind that. But the fact is, is if they're going to translate words 15 different ways, like we saw earlier with the word pitch, and they do this with thousands of words in the Bible. They translate one word dozens and dozens of different ways. And they translate several different words all the same way. You know, like the word world. How do you know they're talking about world as planted, inhabited place, or organized system? How do you know? When you're reading your Bible. People, was they were debating the other day... Uh, I think it was on Facebook or someplace where they were saying, which is the best Bible? Somebody took it down right away. <laughs> but they want to know, which is the best Bible to read? Well, the Greek Bible <laughs> and the Hebrew Bible. It, but even then, who taught you Hebrew? How do you know what Hebrew is what? You, Jesus makes it very clear. 
It's not by flesh and blood, but by revelation that he would build his church. And so if my words aren't touching your revelation, maybe your revelation isn't from the same God that my revelation is from. <laughs> you can figure out where, where to go from there. But if they are, and and you believe Matthew 7.21, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Or as it goes on, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And we read the Bible, and we counted our moons, (laughs) and we kept our Sabbaths, and we did all these things. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Because you're workers of iniquity. That's what you are. Because doing nothing, like the early church, is a work of iniquity. You don't always have to have the actions. But, I mean, isn't it the slothful should be under tribute? Sloth is lacking action. And it's just as iniquitous as anything else you can imagine. We need to repent. We need to turn around. We need to come together. And uh, we got coming up here on uh, May 9th. Uh, we're going to start looking at the Free Church Report. But it really doesn't do any good to look at the Free Church Report or read all the the material and go through it as explanations unless you actually repent. Turn around. Think another way. You need to come together, but not as communists. You need to come together, but not as socialists. You need to come together, not as some new denomination. But simply do what Christ said. Actually love one another. And the reason you come together is out of love. Because not that you want to survive, but you want others to survive. Not that you want to be served, but you want to serve others. You want to help others. You want to teach them how to fish. Teach them how to love. Teach them how to gather in the ways of Christ. And in desiring to serve others, you will be awakened. There will be something in you that will awaken to the Holy Spirit. And you will know the Holy Spirit. I mean, people who... You know, I, I, this is really a touchy area because there's a lot of people who said, oh, they felt the Holy Spirit and all this stuff. And it was just an emotional adrenaline. It was just the release of chemicals in their body. It wasn't the Holy Spirit. But then there are others that say, I, I don't feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the thing is, you can't just say, oh, I want to feel the Holy Spirit now. <laughs> it's not, you know, it's, it's a thing of peace. It's not a thing of exhilaration. If it's exhilaration, it's probably those chemicals again. Yeah, you know, and and this is where I was going to, and I'll probably do it in the afternoon show and talk about cellular communication, um, you know, which is kind of an umbrella uh, term. But if, and it's it's something like every cell in your body communicates with every other cell in, it, in your body. And they do it in a number of different ways, you know, reception and transduction and response, etc., 
but uh, lots of different methods that it does it. And it's, a, it's just a miracle to see how it all works. Well, the kingdom of God is a body, too. And there's, there's communication. Again, it's not just your little groupy group. It's not just your little home church. That's not kingdom. Kingdom of God is an actual physical kingdom, government. It does operate by the perfect law of liberty, so all the congregations are simply free assemblies. And all the blood that flows in that body is freely given. I mean, your body has blood cells, white blood cells that fight off infection, red blood cells that carry oxygen, carry nutrients to other cells all over your body. And it goes and then it touches those cells and it sends in nutrients. It also carries signals. Um, I mean, the vast array of of uh, things inside the body, you know, the connexins, uh, connexins, I think is the way to say it, uh, you know, which are, um, you know, tight connections and adherens and connexins. And these are different types of junctions of cells in the body. It, it's just an amazing complex system. Well, the kingdom of God is an amazing complex system. So you've got the sevens and the tens, and you've got all these different interactions. There's another level, not even the tens, which binds congregations to congregations. And it does it through the same way nations often bind, through treaty, but it does it through family. Families unite with other families. Daughters from this family becomes a part of that family and have children and and these all bind them together well in order to do that you can't just have your little groupy group you got to have a network that is actually caring about Corinthians as much as Galatians and until then may peace be upon your house and may God be with you God bless You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.